Lebel to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Lebel just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I'd been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Wazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Liebold, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. I'm grateful, oh yeah, able, oh yeah, I'm stable, oh yeah, no label, oh yeah. What's going on, guys? Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 59. Brady Liebold coming at you guys live from Gravenhurst, Ontario, right in the heart of Muskoka. It's a beautiful area. I had an amazing 24 hours. Uh, but before we get into that, I just want to give a shout out to all my friends at True Hockey behind me for the rollerblade. I talked to uh, the marketing department yesterday. I'm hoping that I get a sick box of sticks and gloves and stuff tomorrow. Skates and rollerblades should be another week. Super pumped. Thank you to everyone for supporting me this past year. And whether it's been the last couple weeks, you just heard about my story. If you've been with me from day one, guys like David Carlson, shout out to you. Thank you, guys. I love you. I appreciate you. Without you guys, I have no idea where I would be. Um, 
you know, this past 24 hours has been a lot of fun. Uh, Paul Rosen, former gold medalist with Canada's para hockey team is here. He's upstairs on the deck, came up to spend a couple days and uh, also, uh, you know, had a really tough meeting last night and, but, but a great one. Uh, the late Daniel Miner's parents, Michelle and Tom came up to visit me uh, from Dunville, Ontario. And about four months ago, the former Barry Colt, Daniel Miner passed away of an overdose. And I was able to connect with Haley, Daniel's wife, and now Michelle and Tom. And, you know, Tom really wanted to come up and meet me. And I think maybe just to show that there is hope uh, for people when they're struggling. I know that they did everything they could to help Daniel. And I wish that I could do more. I wish I could bring him back, but we can't. But I'm just grateful for their support. It was tough, but I enjoyed every second of it. We went out for lunch today as well. And I just want to give a very special hello to them uh, and just let, let you guys know that I love you and I'm thinking about you and I'm always here for you no matter what you guys need. This is really why I started Puck Support in the first place was to not just support former players and coaches, but parents as well. Try to educate people, empower people who are struggling. Um, and there's no doubt that stories like Daniel's and all of those that we've lost in this picture will change the world, will we'll help save lives. And as you guys know, behind me, I was just talking to my guest before we came on. He's like, what's behind you? You know, and I, I was explaining to him. And if you watch the show, you guys know that every single episode, we honor one of those that we've lost and we add the new one up here for the episode. Then he or she will go behind me on the wall. And tonight is no difference. Tonight, we're remembering Jonathan Adams, former junior hockey player out here in Ontario. He actually lived in the house that I'm in right now uh, with the billet coordinator for the junior team, Susan Cook. He was one of her billets. And in 2015, he tragically took his own life down in Newmarket, Ontario, after struggling with mental illness. And I never met Jonathan, but from everyone that I've talked to and the things that I've read, he was just an incredible guy, fun-loving guy. Everybody loved him. He went over to play in England as well. And uh, tonight, we just remember Jonathan and, and sending prayers to the entire Adams family down there in Newmarket. Uh, he'll never be forgotten here at Puck Support. And uh, a big part of what we do, I, I forgot I had my B-Sharp hat on, but every piece of Puck Support clothing will have uh, an in-memory of one of those we've lost. So this one has Steve Montador in it. Um, actually, come to think of it, I think John Adams is actually in my shirt, if I can show you guys. Uh, so you flip the shirt up. There'll be, you know, maybe my former teammate, Mitch Fadden, Bob Probert, Todd Ewan, Rick Rippon. I mean, the list goes on right from NHL guys to girls that played college to junior hockey players to minor hockey players who have overdosed or taken their own life. Tragically, there's way too many. And I will not stop until we make a difference in the hockey community and eventually beyond. So before we get into it, I got to get to one sponsor. Then we're going to do the intro and we'll get right into it. Dale, thanks for being patient, man. Hi there, it's Regan Bartell, the play-by-play -play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leovold's biggest fan. Team Issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. TeamIssued.ca, promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, Regan Bartell, Jesse Paradise, everyone at Team Issued. They've been with me since the third episode of what was once called Hockey to Heroin, The Road to Recovery. Make sure you check them out. And uh, before we get into the intro, I just want to say thank you to Stuart Smith, who gave me a 
great early birthday present um, from Doug Lynch, who was just on the show, former NHLer. Uh, started a company called Zenkai Sports. You can see it. I got the shorts on and everything. If you want to check out Zenkai, I'm going to have it all in the details uh, after the show. Uh, but Zenkai Sports, at Zenkai Sports, use promo code PUCKSUPPORT25. It's going to save you 25% off. And if you want to know more about this sick technology, it's actually real dry fit. Like, you don't sweat. You don't stink. It's pretty incredible. Uh, and Doug sent me some extra stuff. So thank you, Stuart. Thank you, Doug. Make sure you guys check out Zenkai. You know how this goes. We'll see you guys in a few minutes. Well, tonight should be fun. Another former teammate, another former Swift current Bronco. After quitting the team as an 18-year-old, I returned the following season with my tail between my legs. But there was a new look to the team, quite a few new players, and one of those guys was Dale Weiss, better known as Weasel. Dale Weiss was born in Winnipeg, Manitoba, and was drafted by the Medicine Hat Tigers in 2003 in the eighth round, 150th overall. Weiss would never suit up for the Tigers, and he was dealt to the Swift Current Broncos during the 2005-2006 season. By that time, I had already quit, and my life had started to fall apart. Weiss made an instant impact with the Broncos, and I remember my first impression of Dale being that he was a very strong skater, just a big power forward with a great shot. And I did happen to notice that he was a right winger as well, so it was up to me to compete against him during training camp, which wasn't easy. During that season, him and I were the top two right wingers on the team, but there's no question that Dale Weiss was by far the most improved player during that entire season. You guys have heard me talk about the off-ice troubles I had in Swift Current, which Dale obviously knows all about. And the following season, just two games into the year, I was traded to the Kelowna Rockets, and that was really the last time that I spoke with Dale other than the time that we crossed paths in January when I returned to the Iplex in Swift Current with the Rockets. Well, during the 07-08 season, Dale continued to improve. And at the end of the season, when the NHL draft rolled around, he was taken by the New York Rangers 111th overall during the 2008 NHL entry draft. And he would turn pro the next season as a 20-year-old. Weasel played two full seasons in the American Hockey League with the Hartford Wolfpack before finally getting the call to the New York Rangers during the 2010-2011 season. Weiss would appear in 10 games for the Rangers, and the next season in 2011-2012, he was claimed off of waivers by my hometown, Vancouver Canucks. That would be his first full season in the NHL, but the following year, the NHL was locked out, so Dale Weiss took his talents over to the Netherlands. And funny enough, he ended up playing for the Tilburg Trappers, a team that I played for for just two games the season before. My time in Tilburg was horrendous. I was going through severe withdrawal. But what a beautiful city. And he became known as the Dutch Gretzky, racking up 48 points in just 19 games. When the NHL returned, Weiss returned to the Canucks. He would play one more year with Vancouver and then part of the next season before being traded to the Montreal Canadiens. His first full season with the Habs in 2014-15 would be his best in the NHL. We recorded 10 goals and 19 assists for 29 points. That season, he was also named the Montreal Canadiens' unsung hero. The next season, he found continued success, appearing in 56 games, recording 14 goals and 12 assists for 26 points. But shortly thereafter, he was traded to the Blackhawks, where he finished out the 15-16 season. The next three seasons would be spent in Philadelphia, and he also spent time in the American Hockey League, and then actually made his way back to the Montreal Canadiens. 
He rounded out his career in North America with a Laval Rocket at the American Hockey League. And this past season, he actually took a year off. He's now a father of four kids and he has a beautiful wife and he's tried his hand at real estate. And from my views, he's done quite well at it. But a year off of hockey has left him hungry. And so recently he just signed with a team in Sweden in the SHL. He's gearing up to leave for the 2021-22 season to play for the IK Oscar Sham in the Swedish Hockey League. Dale was obviously always somebody that I followed closely having played with him and we developed a bond, a friendship and quite a few inside jokes over that short time that we played together. And he was one of the first ones that reached out when I started to get my life back on track. At the end of the day, I'm super proud of Weasel. This guy carved out a 10 year NHL career and now he's set to take his talents overseas, continuing the dream that we all had as a young boy. Can't wait to chat with him. So without further ado, let's bring him in. Originally from Winnipeg, Manitoba, my former teammate, Dale Weasel Weiss. I love it. I love it. Do you remember that one? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I haven't heard that probably since we played together. <laughs> Dirty Gerby, you remember oh, that? Oh, I don't forget. I never forgot him, man. I never <laughs> forgot any of that. When you mentioned inside jokes, I'm just reeling off the things in my head of stuff that went on between me and you, man. I love uh, it. Yeah, I love man. it, man. How are you? Doing well, man. How about yourself? It's nice oh, to see you. I'm pumped to be here, man. Good to see you. That intro was unreal, man. That's that's just powerful shit, man. That's that's uh, it's just crazy to me when I watch some of those highlights, man. And and I rem I like can literally remember those fights that like you're fighting, and and <laughs> it's just cra it's crazy, man. It seems like yesterday, and time's just flown by. Yeah, and during that time, I struggled, and you took off, man, and you were able to do it, man. Like, and you're still doing it. Like, you're still going to play pro hockey, but. Never mind making the NHL, bro. Like you played in 10 seasons, like 10 different seasons. You were a part of the NHL, most of them full seasons. Like that's pretty incredible, man. I My first question for you is like, take it back to like when you were 18, when you first met me, right? And like you had improved. I had heard like even when you were 17, because I wasn't there, that you had improved a lot coming back as an 18 year old. You were by far the best, you know, most powerful guy at 18 on our team as a big power forward. And I was like, who the hell is this kid? You know, like, because you weren't there. Year before, yeah. but take it back to like that year as an 18 year old, though you were improving, you know, you hadn't been drafted yet, you got drafted late. Did you actually think at that time and, and be honest, did was your mindset like, hey man, I can actually make the NHL and I'm believing in myself? Like, was yeah, that you know what? Like, I've always had like this crazy inner belief in myself, um, yeah. like, like just so much more than anyone else, and and that's kind of been a driving force for me at 17. Like, you know, I, I got I came home, I got cut for medicine hat, um. So a lot of people don't know this. Actually, at 16, I made the team in Medicine Hat. Yeah. And I actually, and I actually decided to go home. And they kind of used that against me the following year. And, and, you know, I don't regret a lot of things in my hockey career. But to be honest with you, if I regretted one thing, I probably should have stayed there at 16. Um, but I was just, I was an immature kid. Uh, you know, I was, I was a homebody from a young kid. Uh, you know, like I just, I didn't think I was mentally ready. And then when I came back at 17, I got cut. Uh, they're like, wow. You know, we, we don't really think you're real dedicated to the game. And at this point, I'm like, holy fuck, did I make a mistake? But I went home for a month. And I came back to Swifty. When I got traded, I got called back up, played in Swifty. And that year, I felt like I got so much better. Um, I knew I was good, but I but I just continued to get better. And, and our team wasn't very good. Um, you know, so I got to play a ton by the end of the year. But I just improved so much. And I, I you know, I scored a little bit at the end. And, and 
my confidence just grew over the summer. I, I trained my ass off. Yeah. Uh, I worked on my skating. I got just, I just did so much work and came back with so much confidence, just being in a place, you know how it is. Like when you come back your second year in a place you've been, it's just like, you know, some of the guys, you don't have that anxiety of like not knowing people or your billets or just that like anxiety that runs when you go to new places. So I was, I was comfortable. I, I, I had tons of good buddies on the team. My, my billets were awesome. Um, it was just, it was just really, really a good feeling. And then, you know, I, I got off to a really good start that year. I think I finished with, I got 18 goals that second year. Um, and then at that point I was, you know, you start playing against guys around the league. You're seeing guys that are getting drafted in the NHL and you're like, man, like I'm, I'm as good as these guys. Like I, I, I can, I can probably get drafted and be a pro player. And then I worked my ass off again when I didn't get drafted, you know, the second time when I thought I had a decent year there that kind of put a chip on my shoulder and motivated me even more. And then, um, you know, when I came back to my 19 year old year, you know, I, 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 you know, I, you were there. Like I, I just got off to a crazy good start. Yeah. And at that point I knew like, man, like I can make a living doing this. I'm going to be a pro player. It's, you know, I want to take, first off, I want to give a shout out to your billets, Gary and Faye, because I actually talk to Faye quite regularly these days. Faye Bojack. <laughs> no way. Probably watching, to be perfectly honest. If she's not watching live, she will be. Wa I guarantee she will be watching this at some point. So, um, and they, of course, were you know Hangy's billets before. So I was there all the time. You know, right, as, right, right. Okay, yeah. Year old. Um, but you know, going back to that, having that that belief in yourself, like I really want to hammer home for especially any kids or, or parents that may be watching this. Like that's what it really comes down to. Like I never believed in myself. I, I didn't even know what it looked like. I would never even let myself fantasize to go there. And yeah. I can remember like you, like you just, you did, you had this chip on your shoulder. It was a, wasn't like a cocky chip on your shoulder. It was like, right. it was like, give me the puck. Cause I want to shoot it. Cause I want to score. You remember that? Remember you're like, Leo, yeah. be a shooter, be a shooter. Yeah. Shooter yeah. And you, you're like, you're a perfect example of a guy that had so much talent and you just, you just never believed in yourself. You could see it. I could tell the way that you like from being in so many dress rooms that I've been in now. And I think this is why I'm going to make a great coach in the future. Like yeah. I could just see, like you would look at other guys and think they were so much better than you when they weren't like, I could just see your mentality and, and you, you know, you, you were so talented. You had a ton of skill. You could score. Like, you know, you showed it in your 20 year old year, how good you can be. And, and it's just that belief is everything, man. It's yeah. It's literally when you get to the NHL, what separates the, the good players from the elite players, those guys just know, like, I know I'm good. And then that's why I've, I've, you know, succeeded as, as long as I did. But then you have the guys that are just elite scorers. They're just on another level. And, and, you know, it's not an arrogant thing, like you said, but they just know they're good. And that's just something I always had from being younger. Like, you know, you, you say it in the intro, like I was an eighth round Bantam draft pick. Like I shouldn't have been an eighth round Bantam. If, if the draft was a year later, you know, we do the Bantam draft at 14th. If the draft was at 15, I'm probably a first round pick. Like I, I was really good at 15. I should have been in my own mind. It's like, you know, I knew how good I was, Yeah. but it's just, I, I just always had that, like that burning desire that like, okay, if, if, you know, you're doubting me, like I'm going to prove you wrong. And if I'm not the best at it, I'm going to find a way to be the best at it. And if I get on a team, I'm going to find my way to, to, to make myself valuable on that team. Yeah. And, and you seemed like you were able to do that at every single level. And I mean, you, I remember going back to, to Swift, uh, with Kelowna and I was riding a uh, man. It was, it was crazy. Cause you obviously know, I had, you know, the, I'm not going to name the girl's name or anything, but she was pregnant and I got yeah. traded and, and yeah. all of that stuff. And, uh, just a, a crazy situation, but going into Swifty, I was on a 14 game point streak. I had 27 points in 14 games or, or 
13 games and I hit the post on the first shift and then we lost. Like I didn't get a point. And I didn't get a point for the next eight games after that. <laughs> and, and, but I remember the one thing that I remember specifically about that game was how good you and Zach Smith were and how strong, like, you know, I practiced against you guys, but it was like, who the hell are these two guys? Like you yeah. guys were, you guys were so dominant, um, you know, you and Smitty. And I was like, and then you guys both ended up getting drafted that year. Right. And, and going on in, to the American league and both were in the NHL, like two years later, three years later, you guys were both playing games and both carved out long careers. And, yeah. you know, and I, you know, it was just, it's, it was crazy. It just blew me away, but it was like, man, I, I met you when you were 18. And by the time you were, you know, or set, like, and you know, 17, 18. And by the yeah. time, you know, when I was 20 and you were 19, when I got traded and then came back, I mean, you got, like you said, you got off to that, that crazy good start. But when I got back, I couldn't believe how fast, how strong you and Smitty, like those are the two guys that, that you, that I just will never forget that experience. I'm like, wow, like these guys are on a whole nother level in the last four months. Like what the hell happened? And you were <laughs> able to do that continuing on because you went to the American league and you you continued on like you you put up numbers your first year like tell me a little bit about that and your experience like the first time you walked into the American League dressing room after being sent down from the Rangers the first time like what was your what was your confidence like going in there yeah so that whole thing was kind of crazy so you know me and Smitty were kind of in the same spot right like you know we we came on at 17 we started on the fourth line together 18 you know we we started to get better and then 19 we played on the same line um you know for almost the whole year um, minus the times that I was hurt. So we kind of had the same like career projection. So we kind of like pushed each other with something, you know, we motivated each other each day. And then, um, you know, I, I, he came up with the moose at the end of that, uh, 19 year old year and played in the playoffs and I watched him play and I was like, man, he looks great in the American league. Like this guy can play right here. Like I, I can play in the American league right now. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I, I compared us as to each other always. And, yeah. um, and then he ended up going in the third round. I ended up going the fourth round. So it was awesome. And then he signed immediately, like two days later, he signed and I'm calling my agent like, Hey, like, why do I not have a contract right now? Like, let's go. I'm done with, I'm done with junior. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, in my mind, I was like, man, I can play, I can play pro. I don't need to go back to junior. Like, you know, let's go. And my agent kept telling me, well, they don't have, you know, the 50 contract limit. They don't have a contract for you. They don't have a contract for you. I'm like, okay, whatever. Then I went back to Swift Current. Uh, probably a couple of weeks before training camp. And then, um, you know, Dino sits me down and Dino was like, look at like, you can do as much as you want in training camp or, you know, you skate when you want, you don't have to do fitness testing. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, well, like between me and you, I don't expect you to be here. There's no way like you're going to sign. I was like, I'm telling you, they're not signing me. Like they've told me all summer that I'm coming back to junior. They don't want to sign me. And he's like, ah, I doubt it. I doubt it. So, and I was, it was kind of a weird feeling to have a guy that was, you know, like extremely hard on me for three years that yeah. finally like turned the cheek and was like telling me I'm almost too good for the league. Like it was, it was a really like satisfying moment for me actually. Okay. And it kind of instilled more confidence in me from then on. And then, um, you know, I, I went to training camp, uh, in Traverse. Yeah. Um, I remember then, I was, I was there. I was there. Were you there the first or second year? I can't remember. I think it was the second year that second, I was there. I think it was, so maybe it was the second year. I yeah, think it was, was second. Cause we had Dowzak when you fought him there. I think that was yeah, the second year. Yeah. 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 So I went the first year and it was like, you know, four games. I had like three goals, four assists, four fights. Uh, I, I was like second in the tournament scoring, like unreal tournament after three, like, I think it was after my second day, they offered me a contract. I signed, I was like, just a crazy experience, man. To, from two days earlier where it was like, Okay, I'm going back to junior. Like, I have my car in Swift Current. Like, I have all my clothes there, and uh, and then and then two days later, I'm you know I'm signing a contract, which was like, it was a really surreal moment because you like I I thought it was going to happen, but until it really happens, you like, 
it's just really hard to, you know, you know how it is. Like, it's really hard to explain that feeling. And then, you know, you work your whole life to get there. And then I go into the main camp. I score the first two, like, uh, inner squad games, the first two days. And then all of a sudden, like, you know, media is all over me. The coach is like all over me. And I'm like, holy smokes, man. Like I might, I might make the team here. Yeah. And, uh, my confidence was just so high at that point. I played, I think it was eight out of the nine exhibition games. Uh, I played the last exhibition game where we were down to like three cuts. They cut guys after the game. I, I thought I made the team. Like it was on the Sunday and the regular season was starting on the Thursday. They didn't cut me on the Sunday day off Monday, Tuesday, I show up at the rink. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like I'm in the NHL. I made the team. One day before, you know, like you officially start getting paid and you officially made the team. I come in the locker room and I'm looking around and I don't see my my, my stall anywhere. And I'm like, uh, what's going on here? I see the trainer like kind of look at me and it's kind of awkward. And I'm like, dude, where's my stuff? And he's like, ah, I guess Tom didn't tell you. Uh, Tom Rennie was the coach at the time. And he goes, go see Tom. And I'm like, what the fuck? So I walk down to his office. Obviously, no, I'm cut. And, uh, and then I walk in. And I'm like, what's up, Tom? And he's like, hey, man, like, oh, sit down. Let's have a chat. And we have a chat. And it was a good, like, awesome discussion. And he's like, man, I'd love to keep you, but you're 20. You just came out of junior. Like, we have a 15 forwards. I'm not going to keep you to sit in the stands. Uh, but, like, I love your game. This is awesome. Like, you're going to be a big part of our team going forward. And I was, like, just blown away, man, from, you know, literally, yeah. like, two weeks earlier where it was, like, you know, I, I was going to play junior in Swift Current, and now I'm in New York City. Yeah. And, I'm, and I almost made the New York Rangers. So it was just a whirlwind. And then I got sent back to the American League. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a, a, a weird experience where, like, you're grinding so hard to make the NHL. And then you get back to the American League. And it was like, man, for three-week training camp in the American League, it was a joke. Like, yeah. guys were out every single day. Um, like, and I was so serious, man. Like, you know, I was, we lived in Swift Current, like, for the past three years. It wasn't like I was going out to bars or anything. So I didn't even know anything about this lifestyle. So I'm sitting in my hotel. I'm going to bed early. And, like, you know, my roommate's coming back at, at the hotel just for training camp. Like, he's coming back at 3 a.m. And, like, I can hear guys in the hall. And it's just, it was just a, a wild experience, man. And then, um, you know, I kind of struggled to start the year, too, for the first month and a half, Um uh, I honestly, I was like, man, I might get sent back to junior. Like I was, I was almost wanting it in my mind. And that was kind of holding me back a little bit where it's like, look, man, you got to cut the cord, like you're done and, uh, and grind it out. And then obviously, you know, as, as things got better, um, you know, as I got more adjusted and, and, uh, the final half of the year went pretty well, I went on a pretty good run. Yeah. It's a big step, man. Junior to the American league is a big step. I don't think people realize. I, I know I sure didn't. I got a couple games in before I got hurt and I was in, I was in a world of hurt, man. I didn't train. I didn't do anything. <laughs> These guys mean business. Like this is not yeah. a joke, right? Like it's good hockey, man. The American hockey league is good hockey. Like, oh, it's so good, man. It's, it's when I was there in 2019, it's, it's a completely different league now from then when it was like, you know, yeah. 2010, 2011, 2010, 2011, there were so many good older players yeah. that were making a really good living there. And now, you know, most of the older guys are in Europe. They don't want those older guys in the American league, but like there were so many good players in the American, league. like it was a good, good development league. Yeah. No kidding. Well, yeah. And you, I mean, you, you were there for a couple of years and well, I mean, two and a half years and then you finished the year kind of with the Rangers. Right. And what was that like? Like you're, you're at the big apple, man. You're, you're at Madison square game and you get 10 games in and original six team. And I mean, not that long prior, you know, you were passed over twice in the draft. You were a late dub draft pick and, mm -hmm. and there you are, man, like your belief in yourself and, and there you were and, and you got, you're there and, 
what was that like, man? Like, honestly, what was that like? Like, no bullshit. What was it like? Like, honestly, like, it must have been incredible, bro. Yeah, it was, man, it was, it was uh, that whole second pro year. Like, there was no, like, lull in my season, man. Like, I had an okay training camp. Um, it was disappointing because obviously the year before I thought I made it. And the second year, I was like, man, they're like, ah, go back to the American League. You're not even getting a chance to make our team. But from the like opening game, man, I I I just had a tremendous year, and you know I, I kept scoring, I kept scoring points, and and I was probably on the second line for like the first twenty games, and then I was on the first line after that. I played, got to play with Corey Locke and uh, oh yeah, Locker, uh, sick. P, yeah, PA Parento. So it was a good line, man. We ripped it up. I had, you know, I had some good streaks where like I won Player of the Week, where I had like five goals in a week. Yeah. And, like I had almost thirty goals, man, at twenty one years old. There was there was I was the highest score. There was no guy. 21 or 20 that had more points than me like yeah i was the highest scoring the guy in my age in the league and um you know was finally getting some recognition but i i, I was just wondering when i was gonna get a call out man like the rangers were an okay team that year but i'm like man i'm 21 i'm ripping it up like i knew it was coming i was like okay i gotta keep working keep working and then finally i went on a pretty good streak i scored like i think i scored seven goals in seven games and then um we, we were coming back after a game one night it was after that streak it was like a saturday I had two goals, I think, that night. It was a really good game. It's like a quick bus trip. I get back. Uh, I'm getting off the bus, ready to hit the town with the boys, and the coach calls me over. He's like, hey, come here. And I didn't think it was – I like, I didn't expect a call up at all. And yeah. he goes, um, New York's going to call you up. And it was like – it was a crazy moment, man. So it was like New York's calling you up, and they have no more call-ups. You're there for the rest of the year. Like, it was like three weeks left. Yeah. So, like, it was it was a cool feeling, like, A, getting your first call-up. Yeah. Um, but then I was like, oh man, three weeks of show though. This is going to be incredible. Yeah, like I was, hey, that's yeah. going to double them. It's going to, you know, double what I made all year long in three weeks. So I was just ecstatic, man. I was so pumped. Um, and then I, I was there for three weeks. I never, I didn't get a chance to play. I dressed for warm up every game. I didn't play. So I was, I was, I was pumped, but I was pissed because I was like, man, I want to play. Like, let me show you what I can do. Yeah. And then I had to come back again. I got cut again in training camp in Europe, got sent back, was in Hartford uh, for three days. And then Vancouver picked me up on waivers. I went to Vancouver uh, for opening night, but, okay. but just kind of to rewind it, like getting cut all these times, man, was just, it was just like, it just added to my fuel, man. It just fired me up. And then finally, um, you know, just to rewind it a, a little bit there. Yeah. I, I got off to a really good start uh, again, my third pro year there for like, well, I was about 20 games, man. I went on a pretty good rip. And then I got hurt. I broke my, I think I broke my thumb, something to do with my hand. And then, you know, three other guys got called up in that time. And I was like, you got to be kidding me, man. Like finally when I had a good opportunity to get called up, I was leading the team scoring. And then, then I got hurt. So other guys started good opportunities. I came back, finally got a chance to play my first game. And I knew I was playing. They're like, you're playing tomorrow. You got to get on a plane right now. Uh, go to Philly. Uh, which was was pretty cool. So it was literally like I got on a plane, I flew to Philly, I got there late in the evening, and then uh, we played at twelve o'clock the next day. So it was awesome, man. Like no anxiety, no thinking about it. You wake up, you have breakfast, and I was right to the rink. And uh, man, all I could think about was like hockey night in Canada. Like I got to get in a scrap so everybody can see it. It's all I thought about. It's the Did only thing. Carcillo. Yeah, yeah. I fought Carcillo. Yeah. I hit the post. I had a disallowed goal. Man, it was like. Just a, the craziest first game, and I I did the uh, the Gatorade thing that's all over YouTube and TSN is bloopers where like someone twisted the knob off after my yeah. goal, so the camera's watching you and it's like boom, and I caught the cap in my mouth. Man, it was so embarrassing at the time, but it's, 
it's pretty it's funny fun. right now no kidding man that's yeah. that's incredible like you you fought quite a bit right like you you threw down in junior too like you were never scared to, to fight but you were more focused like i want to score goals i want to be a player yeah. like yeah so, so yeah. what was the transition like into you know being to the nhl where it's like hey like you know i'm gonna have to find and, and carve out a role and, and accept that role because i think that's a huge lesson and that maybe makes the difference between why guys stick around or they don't stick around i've seen and talked to a lot of guys take mm -hmm. zach camel for example right remember zach from oh yeah Chip, absolutely right? yeah i grew yeah. up with that guy who's our seventh overall to boston or something like touted highly touted and played like maybe 10 games in the show and and mm -hmm. now and and because he couldn't develop he wasn't going to be a top three guy in the nhl couldn't transition his game into okay i'm gonna go out there and grind and i'm gonna you know work and and just do whatever it takes for the team to win so what was that transition like for you trying to accept this new role where you were looked upon as a guy as a scorer junior and in the american league and now you're going to the nhl and it's like hey maybe you're gonna play third fourth line limited minutes but hey you're in the nhl and you're you were able to find that role so what was that like man yeah, I never, like in junior, man, I wasn't afraid to fight anybody, but it was more of a like, I never even thought about it. It's like, okay, you slash me, I'm going to fight you. Or like, you know, you hit one of my teammates, I'm going to fight you. It was never like, I never gave one second of thought to it. It was like, I, you know, if it's a heat of the game, I'm going to fight you. I don't care who you are, but I never thought about it. But when I got into like pro, it kind of changed a little bit. Even my first couple of years in the American League, it's like, okay, like I don't want to be fighting these these mutants, man. Like they're just completely out of my league. This is not what I want. Like, I don't yeah. want to be known as a guy that's fighting those guys. Like it was something I was like, I would tell myself every single day, like, this is, I don't want to do that. Like, and I scored in the American league, so I didn't have to, yeah. but I still fought. Like I fought, you know, maybe eight, eight to 10 times each year. Um, but I was scoring at the same time. So, but it was kind of the same as junior where, you know, if it just happened in the game or you hit one of my teammates or something or whatever yeah. it was, but in the NHL, man, it was like, if I get an opportunity and that's that's the only thing I have to kick open the door, like I'm going to smash it down and I got to do whatever whatever it takes. So yeah. um, I knew I wanted to make an impression. Um, Tortorella being the coach maybe was something that made it different. When I got cut the year before, he cut me and then I challenged him and I was like, look, I'm better than this guy on your team. I'm better than this guy on your team and I'm better than this guy. Good for and, you. Uh, and he, he, he loved it, but he didn't like it because he's like, well, you didn't fight in, in exhibition. I said, well, that's all it would take. Then I'll do it. And then I got, I got, that's when I got cut early, but then I got brought up for one exhibition game, like a week later. And I fought uh, Nick Felino like within four minutes, we had a little scuffle. I fought him right away. And I was like, there you go. Like, yeah. if that's what you want me to do, I can do that. Like, just tell me. Yeah. And, uh, and he, he, like, he kind of liked it, but I don't know. So when I came up, I was like, okay, I got to fight. I got to fight. Boom. We're playing Philly. Perfect. Carcillo was like, he led the league in Pelimus the year before he fights everybody like this. will get myself on the map. And, um, I asked him a warm up and I was like, Hey, you got to give me one tonight. And he was like, ah, fuck off. Who are you? I don't even know who you are. He clearly never checked. He never checked stat back. He had no idea I was a call up or anything. He was like, I don't know who this guy is. I'm not fighting this guy. Um, and then I, I, I mean, I ran around a little bit in the game, but nothing substantial. And then they were beating us four one with like eight minutes left. And, uh, I like beelined across the ice and, and I just like almost went in their bench and hammered a guy and he came right after me. So it was awesome. So I got yeah. him to do what I wanted, but, um, you know, to, to get into it more, man, I had to do it a lot in Vancouver yeah. and it, it bothered me every single day. And, um, it was just like, I was like, okay, great. I'm finally in the NHL and I got a full-time position, but like, is this really what I want to do? And I, I, I struggled with it, man. Um, you know, it, it was a lot of things. I think it was a combination of things where a, I've spent my whole life playing hockey and I finally got here 
and now I'm like, it's, this isn't what I wanted. This isn't what I expected. And then, you know, you're living in Vancouver and, uh, I'm 23 years old and I'm, I'm single and making a lot of money, man. There's a lot of things that I, that I struggled with in van the first couple of years, but having to, you know, look at YouTube and watch fights all day, man, I was really struggling with that. So it was, yeah. it was not a good adjustment for me early, man. And, uh, you know, I used to get ripped in Vancouver all the time. Like this guy sucks or whatever, but it's like people have no idea what I was dealing with and struggling with. Yeah. And that's, that's a great point, man. And I, I mention it all the time. Like even, um, you know, there's, there's certain players right now that are, you know, one in particular for Montreal, that's not playing because of some issues going on. And, you know, it's, you know, I, for as soon as I saw that, I was like, Hey, like, you know, you guys need to back. I made a video, like, not that I have a huge following, but it's like, you need to back off. Like these, these are, they're hockey players. Yeah. They're, they're making lots of money, but like, yeah. they're still human like you still go through mm-hmm. a lot of stuff sometimes even more because you have that added pressure like you played yeah. vancouver is a tough market montreal is even harder i think i mean i don't yeah. know personally for sure for sure but, but i mean like it, it's it's crazy a lot of people don't won't understand like no. what it's like right no. and they're quick to quick to get on them and, and they all have an opinion and most of them have never you know even put on skates and played at a high level and it's like how how did you tune that out and and how much did it get to you at, at times in your career yeah in, in vancouver it was tough man it, it got to me a lot um like it completely changed who i was as a player um you know it was like i would i would go to the rink and practice and then every night i would be like i'd be out on the town enjoying life a little bit just to kind of get away from the pressure and and the anxiety of it and i wasn't like it wasn't even like i was fighting heavyweights or you know i was fighting tough guys and but i wasn't you know I, I i'm not saying i was at like an enforcer level like some of the other guys and it was still bothering me like it was tough man um i, I and and you know you make a good point there. Like people want to have all these opinions and everything. And it's tough on that sense because all they see is the dollar amount. Like it doesn't matter. How, yeah. And everyone's like, well, if I had that money or if I no, you wouldn't, it's like, you're a human being. It doesn't matter. It yeah. didn't change. If I was making 60 grand in the American league, or if I was making 3 million in Philadelphia, it doesn't change the way you feel. Like yeah. it just doesn't change that pressure and that feeling that you have as a hockey player. Like it doesn't go away. So, um, you know, I, I struggled with it, man. And I was, you know, my first year was okay. okay. I was, I was really happy to just get done the year. And then, um, you know, second year I came back again and it was kind of similar. And then, you know, the lockout happens and it's like, man, this is great. I get to go play hockey again and be a player. Yeah. What, I, sorry to cut you off. What made you go to, to Tilburg, by the way? I yeah. Have- so crazy story, man. So I, I was, um my wife now i just started dating her for like two three months yeah. uh, we, we were dating in the summer um and then i went to vancouver because like i was 23 years old as my first year in the nhl i wasn't following cba or negotiations or nothing man i was like i'm gonna play in the league for 10 years I, I don't really care what's happening with cba um so i didn't really pay attention i didn't think there was actually going to be a lockout of this like you know magnitude so i went to vancouver for like three weeks in september um like i was training all summer hard up until that point like as if we were gonna have a season and then I got to September for three weeks. And I'm like, okay, we're not gonna play for a long time here. This is this is no joke. Like, I'm not gonna sit in Vancouver and uh, and rent this apartment for 5k while I'm not getting paid right now. So uh, I'm gonna go back home to Winnipeg. So I went back home, and uh, you know, like there was no pro players here, so there wasn't any like pro skates. Um, and and you know, I, I knew we were gonna be off a while, so I was training, but I wasn't really skating. Uh, I had a new girlfriend and, uh, and I was just enjoying life a little bit, man. So I was like, 
this is great. This is great. And then a month and a half goes by. I'm not skating. I'm not doing anything. It's like, okay, I got to rein it in here. Uh, so I called Mage and I was like, look, at, um, I'll go play anywhere. Like it was like literally Thursday. I was like, man, I just want to play. I'll play this weekend just anywhere. Get me anywhere. He literally called me like later that day. It was like, I have a job in, uh, in Holland and I'm like, they have a league there. Like I, I knew nothing about it, man. Like I had no idea. Um, but I, I literally, I was like, yeah, okay, done. Let's go. And uh, I literally hopped on a plane uh, with my now wife, uh, like two days later, and we went to Tilburg, man. As as you know, um, I didn't know you played there, but like that's me right there, buddy. Look at this. Oh man. Oh man. What and dude, I had I had such a cool experience there. Like I had so much fun. Like from from like I said, I I I was struggling mentally the the, the two previous years. Like. I, I wasn't enjoying the game. I didn't want to go to the rink. Like I was struggling with a lot of things and um, I just kind of got my love back, man. Like I'm playing on the power play. I'm scoring like the crowds cheering for you. Like it was just a good feeling again, man, which I haven't had for a while. Yeah. And, uh, and it just kind of, I don't know. I, w I wouldn't say that I like brought the love back in the game for me, but it was like, it was just a really like good time in my life that I needed that. Yeah. Well, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, I wish I would have got to experience more. I left after two two games because that's when I was addicted to oxys, and I, I showed up there with like three when I was taking 12 a day, and I, I'd i never gone through withdrawals before. I'm like, yeah, it's just going to be a, a day or two. I'm going to feel crabby. It was like three weeks. I didn't sleep, and they were like, what's wrong with this guy? I told him I had H1N1. It was back then, and it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was not a good good scenario. And then, Jeez. you know, I ended, I ended up scoring. I played two games. The, the one game I played one shift, and I literally laid down on the bench because I couldn't. I was so sick and the next day i played or the next game i played it played like four shifts one power play shift scored off the shin pad and in they don't ask yeah. how they ask how no. many you know that no. i'll no. take it i'll take it but um what a great little town and and uh some pretty cool people but i always wanted to ask you that it's like how the hell did you end up in tilburg i saw you're playing there i was like what the hell and like imagine <laughs> would have stuck it out for another year there we would have played together oh We're that would have been sick uh, before we go any further i want to show you this picture actually two pictures um this one i don't know if you remember that that's me standing me and you standing next to each other in swift current Sick. kyle moyer and Corey nyhag and Corey, what a beauty what a beauty right but oh, he, I love that guy. this was we won uh remember like the three star awards like yeah so every, absolutely yep yep every quarter they would you know give you know first yep. and third star for points every quarter and that i, I found that picture earlier today and Sorry. then you weren't on the ice here but i wanted to show, do you remember this in Regina, do you remember the Hanson brothers came? I don't know if you remember this, but this what? is in Regina. Wow. They, they I, I did kind a of, I did, kind of remember me soft man like seriously they were on the blue line for the anthem and it was like they dropped the puck and did a mock face off and dino was like yo don't engage in fighting with these guys and i was like <laughs> where are we right now like they were like challenging our bench they were on that like seeing that old old canada and like the hansen brothers are foaming at the mouth i'm trying not to laugh trying to get ready for a game that we needed to win to get points or playoffs and i just i was wondering if you remember that <laughs> <laughs> like, i, I kind of like Maybe okay. I blocked it out, man, because I, I remember it a little bit, but I don't Smitty remember the full face right. That's Smitty and me right there. I hated playing in Regina. That was the least favorite building that I ever played in in the Western League, I think. Really? Yeah, you liked it? I loved Regina, man. Just by those like two years where we had that huge rivalry with them, I loved playing there. Yeah, I, I, love, I love Regina, man. Great city. Yeah, it is a great city. I just didn't like the brand center for whatever reason. Um, but yeah, I just I thought that this is a cool picture. I mean, it's such a throwback, man. That's great. Uh, man. I couldn't believe it. I, I was going through pictures today. I'm like, no way. I'm pretty sure that's 
you know, me and Weasel. So pretty awesome. But tell me about your time. Um, You know, when you leave Vancouver, you go, you know, to Montreal and and what that was like, because you had, you found a lot of success there, man. Like, you know, almost 30 points, two years in a row there. Yeah, it was, uh, it was awesome, man. Um, Literally like a week before I got traded in Vancouver, uh, I, I, I still remember this conversation. I was with my wife and we had our young son at the time. And I was like, I might get put on waivers here. Like I might be done in the league. Um, like, I don't know what's going to happen. Like we, um, I don't know, maybe we'll go to like Russia or Switzerland next year. Like, are you okay with that? Like, I remember having that conversation with my wife and obviously she was like, yeah, of course that's fine. But, um, and then literally I went on a road trip like four days later we're bouncing around and uh, I got traded in each. I didn't even know where I got traded originally. Like Torts called me off the ice from an optional morning skate. He's like, Hey, come here. He wasn't on the ice. He calls me on the bench. He's like, uh, you got traded, get off the ice. And he just walked away and I was like, okay. So, you know, first time I've been traded in my like NHL career, like, you know, a real trade. So it was like, it was kind of shocking. I come in the room and a couple of boys are there that didn't skate. They're like, Hey, what happened? I was like, well, I got traded. They're like, where? I was like, well, I don't know. And then it literally took like three hours, man, for me to find out. Like Mike Gillis didn't call me. Bergevin didn't call me. I just got like, I got undressed. I went back to the hotel, text my family and stuff. Nobody knew anything. It was kind of a wild experience. But then when I found out I got traded in Montreal, I was so pumped, man. I grew up a huge Habs fan. Yeah. Uh, my family was always Habs fan. So it was cool. And I was just kind of happy about a new opportunity. And then, um, you know, it traveled there played two games had an olympic break for three weeks that kind of stalled the, the progress a little bit but uh you know when i first got back i had a meeting with michelle Terran. he's like i don't know a lot about you um but uh bergevin loves you he speaks volumes of you so you know i'm going to give you an opportunity i don't care what you've done but I- i'm going to make my opinion on you from here and i'm going to give you a chance to play so be ready to play and that was something like i just you know i've never had in the nhl like i haven't had a coach just speak to me that way since you know dino did in junior like to, to actually a coach that believes in you, man, that was everything for me. Um, you know, I would have ran through a wall for that guy. And he was, again, extremely hard on me, but like was fair with me. And and obviously we went on that crazy playoff run. I scored some big goals in that run. And yeah, playoffs for me was always something, um, you know, where, where, where I felt like I could step up and, and, and provide that extra offense. And, uh, and then from there, man, my confidence was sky high. Like, you know, I was, I was, I played the way that I knew I could play. I knew I was getting an opportunity um, you know, I signed a two-year deal after that right away, which is obviously, you know, you're signing one-year deals in Vancouver and every single time it's a grind, man, to get league minimum on a one-way. Um, when guys are signing for like a million and stuff, it's like, holy smokes, man, I got to get some traction here. And then I finally got a two-year offer. I was like, boom, take it. Like, let, let's do it. So that was a big, like, confidence builder for me. Just to have two years to know I was going to be in the same place for two years. Uh, you know, I, as it turned out, I didn't end up playing the whole two years. But uh, the first year was great, man. I played great. We went in the playoffs again. Um, you know, I had a couple more big goals in the playoffs there. And then when I came back the following year, I was playing with Fleischman and Darnay. And that was probably the most fun I've ever had in the NHL. Um, Two amazing players. I got to stay on that line. We weren't changing lines all the time. We got off to a good start, man. It's to this day, it's something that still pisses me off where, um, you know, I would have, I would have taken way less than I got from Philly uh, to stay in Montreal. And he just, he just never made me an offer. And um, people thought I was chasing, chasing the bank, but I wasn't. I just, I never got an offer. So I had to go, I had to go to free agency. Um, you know, if I wish I stayed in Montreal, I had 14 goals and, uh, the, f- I want to say, th- I had 11 in like the first 27 games. 
yeah. like I was on fire and I was like, come on, birds, let's get a deal down here, man. Let's go. And then I, I had like 14 47 before I got traded. Then I, or then I 14, I think I had 14 goals of 40 games, which is pretty good pace, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, man. Like you're almost a 30 goal pace. And, uh, I got traded once Chicago. And again, it was kind of back to the totem pole, you know, in another lineup ship, but, um, Montreal for me, man, is just a really soft spot in my heart, man. I, that was the most fun I had playing hockey. Um, I, I kind of like that for me was like I achieved what I knew I could always achieve. And uh, I just, man, those were awesome years playing hockey. Well, in those two years, I ended up, you know, you ended up getting a, a really good, you got a four year deal, right? Like yeah. 10 mil, like, like mm-hmm. hold on for a second. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Like, crazy, right? Like that's crazy. Like you're, you're, you know, played into a plane junior and all of a sudden you're making like, I don't even know what those paychecks would look like. It's none of my business. I don't care. But it's like, whoa, like that's and that I mean, you got to put it into perspective. You guys are making two million dollars a year, but you're making if you're making like two million dollars a year, that's crazy money, man. Like that's crazy yeah, it was it, it, man, even, you know, like I was making probably I was making a mil before uh, and then it, and then it jumped up, obviously. And then, you know, I was in Philly. I wasn't paying Quebec taxes and stuff. They, they were big, man. It was it was almost surreal for me even like I was making yeah. good money for four or five years there. Um, and then when you see those, it's just like, Holy smokes, man. It, it makes, it makes it, a, it makes the grind easier as you make more. But yeah. And then, then the added pressure comes with it, man. That's the yeah. biggest thing that uh, maybe I didn't expect that uh, that, that was something that I, I, I battled with internally too. Yeah. And so like, you know, you, you ended up, you know, in philly and you played with uh with the phantom it's fan they were the phantoms right lee valley yeah lee valley phantoms and then going back to montreal and so you know the lat not this past season but the season before you've kind of finished in laval as a as a leader on the team and this last year you you sat out like and how was that for you and i know that you've decided to go back and play which i was so excited to hear man as i told you mm-hmm. like play yeah. as hard as you can. I, I remember seeing videos of you training in the winter time like minus four 40 degree weather On the lake man it's yeah. crazy yeah. yeah man and and i'm like man like you know i was talking to him like hey man like if you can get back playing anywhere go back and play and so when i heard you were signed in sweden i was so happy for you but what has this last year been like for you um and, and when did you actually make the decisions hey you know what i'm gonna go back and play again yeah so the first three months uh that i was in laval in 2019 uh was awful man like i i was like I was almost checked out uh, on a couple occasions, man. It was, I'd never expected to be there. Um, yeah. You know, not, I didn't belong there. Um, and I was driving like an hour and 45, two hours to get to practice every day back, like two hours there, hour and a half back. When I would go to games on game days, man, it was like hour and a half in the morning, hour back, and then have a nap for like 45 minutes, grab a coffee, and then I would drive an hour and a half back to Laval. Like I was living in South Shore, Montreal. It was my kids were going to school there and everything. Like my business was there. It was it was a nightmare. It was a nightmare for playing hockey again, man. And it was like I hated it. I, I didn't want to be there. I didn't want to play there. And I was really losing the love for the game, man. And then January 1st, 2020, I got called up and I played three months in Montreal, man. I played well. I played really, really well. I'd I got a goal and three assists in my first 10 games. Like it was me, uh, Nick Cousins and uh, Nate Thompson, man. Our team was, was yeah. playing well. I was playing well. I was like, man, I'm back. Like, look it, I can still play. Um, and, and then, you know, they traded Thompson away. They traded Kovalchuk away. Our team really struggled. We went on like 
you know, I think it was back, like almost back to back eight game losing streaks, man. So it was struggling. And then we got shut down by coronavirus, which is wild, like March 12th last year. Yeah. And then, um, you know, I'm sitting there, I'm like, okay, like I'm done in the NHL probably like, you know, they're, they're not going to resign me. I, I'm not playing in the American league again. I can't do it mentally. I'll just quit. So I told my agent, like, I want to go to Europe or like, get me a deal. So I had tons of offers. It was awesome. Yeah. I, had a Sw- I had a Swiss deal lined up and then I, you know, Montreal calls me like, Hey, like you're going to play on a roster for the bubble. Like we need you back for the playoffs just so you know. And I was like, okay, whatever. I'm going to go away from my family in the middle of the summer and I'm going to sit in the stands and not play. Like this is like, come on. So the Swiss team never officially sent me the offer. They're like, okay, we have an agreement in, in, in terms. And I was like, okay, I need to sign this so I can opt out. If not, I'm going to play. And they sent it. To, I had to go to Montreal quarantine for like, I think it was seven or 10 days. And then they, on the last day, they sent me the contract. At that point, I was like, no, screw you guys. Like I quarantined. I left my family. I, I, I'm playing. So I had a sick training camp. Uh, I was playing with Domi and, and, and Jordan Wheel. Like I, I felt great, man. I played myself into a job. Um, we, we beat Pittsburgh in the first round. Um, and then we uh, beat Pittsburgh. The f- we're, sorry, we lost to Philly in the first game, and then I got taken on the lineup for the rest of the series. We ended up losing that uh, that uh, that series, and then you know I was like, okay, I I, I do I want to like leave my family in eight months and a global pandemic? Like, I just couldn't get myself to do it. I had Swiss offers that were still there and Russian offers, and I was like, you know what? Like, I I think being with my family right now is more important than anything. So yeah, I uh, I figured I'll, I'll kind of let the cards play where they where they lie and uh i took the year off and then you know it kind of affected some of my offers but um you know i still had a couple and then uh the sweden team was 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 really interested i talked to the gym and the coach and we were kind of on the same page of uh how i wanted things to go and how i saw things and uh i'm just i'm pumped man i'm excited i've been i've like I, i've been training my ass off the last year so i'm in, I'm in great shape man i'm ready to play so you have been like complete like training this whole time or was there a time that you you took off like i mean we all take a little bit maybe you take a a week or something here or there but like consistently are you like working out all the time how often are you skating like what does that look like yeah so here's the thing man um when i decided i wasn't going to go to europe it was like you know we got home from the bubble like end of august 2020 um it was kind of a weird time it was like man i've never been home september in my life i've never had this chance to like drive my kids to school every day like it was a cool feeling i loved it but i still thought i was going to play in the nhl and um like i didn't have a lot of good offers when free agency opened i think it was october 5th or something i had like two-way offers and i was like man i cannot play in the american league i can't do this so october november december i'm waiting for an nhl one way um and then you know from the end of october like when you saw me skating in the pond rinks weren't open in manitoba i couldn't skate So here I am trying to get ready for a training camp. I, I didn't skate November. I didn't skate December. Like not once. Like I'm skating on a pond. You know, like that doesn't count. Yeah. That's not that's not real training. And January 1st, it's like, okay, I have a couple of tryout offers. Camp starting in 10 days. It's like, I haven't skated in two and a half months. I can't jump into a 10-day NHL training camp. I look like a fool. So it was like, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I was like, I'm gonna, I'm not going to go for 10 days and look like a fool and and uh, and get sent home. So I was like, that kind of shut me down when I couldn't skate. So um, then I was like, okay, I'm not going to play. I got some time off. I literally took like four weeks, man. Then I started going crazy. And then I like, I got back in the gym and I've been training ever since. And uh, I've been skating the last three weeks. I've never taken that much time off in my life from skating, man. And I honestly feel better than I've ever felt. Really? Eh? That's so, I, I can't explain. Are you in Manitoba still? Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, 
I live in my lake house for the last like eight months, uh, probably like an hour outside of Winnipeg. So, but I still skate in Winnipeg in the city. <laughs> Must be nice, eh? I see you driving. In, <laughs> I see you dri- driving in your Bentley too, man. Like it's, uh, <laughs> you're, living, you're living a pretty sick life. But I'll tell you what, man, you deserve it, man. You believe in yourself. You've worked for it, and you know I'm proud of you, man. Like you did it, right? And and you've you've obviously done other things too. And I, I don't want to take too much of your time up. We've been going an hour, but like got all day, buddy. I'm I'm all I'm all I'm in. Curious as to like you know what. What did it look like off the ice for you, like on a financial level? Like, when did you start to think about, hey, like I'm going to start doing something outside of hockey? I know it looks like you're into real estate. Your wife's got the business going. I think you have a couple other things going. Like, when did that start to like play in your mind? Like, hey, I'm going to start, you know, using some of my money and investing or whatever. Like, when, at what point in time in your career did you actually start to take that kind of stuff seriously? Yeah, it's, um, I've always had an interest in like real estate, like, um, you know, not so much like, like what I'm doing now developing, but I always just like, man, I like looking at nice properties and, and finishes and stuff like that. I've always kind of had, had an interest in that. Um, I, so I didn't really want to sell properties, uh, but I always knew I wanted to be involved somehow, but I was literally like laser focused on hockey and, and, you know, for any of the kids or parents that are watching this show, if you want to be, you know, in, in the top 1% in, in the world and what you do, like you have to be laser focused. You, yeah. you can't, you can't be in anything else. You have to be obsessed with it. Um, anybody that tells you you need balance, like you'll never be successful in anything you do. So yeah, that's, that's just the best advice I could give the people that are watching. Um, but then when I was having that time in Laval, man, that's when for me every day I'm driving an hour, 45 minutes, I'm listening to different podcasts. I'm running out of things to listen to. That's where I really thought like, man, if I quit right now, like I gotta, I gotta do something. Like, what can I do that, that like interests me? Like I'd wake up in the morning and I have some passion for, and, and it would excite me. Um, and then I was like, I got more into real estate investing. I'm like, you know, do I want to flip properties? Like, do I want wholesale properties? Do I want to develop? Like I wanted to find something that was, that was awesome for me that I, that would be passionate about. Um, so that whole time was like, and, and a little bit in Philly too, before we bought our business in Montreal, um, I just, I wanted to do something else. Like Philly was a tough time too. And, and off ice, I was like, man, I got to do something else. Like, like I'm losing my mind away from the rink and, and I just need another goal to, to, to strive towards. So, um, just kind of the, the lulls and the hockey, you know, seasons kind of, kind of driven me to it. And, uh, and then when we got shut down in March, I got to come home from Winnipeg and, and I was home for, you know, five months where you couldn't really do anything. Yeah. But, um, you know, I was, I was meeting developers and, and touring properties and doing stuff like that. So well, I saw uh, you in that one building you, you were, like, yeah. Following yeah. the progress of that, what the one I think it was was it condos or yeah, so it's a it's a six unit apartment building. So I tore That's down an old uh, an old duplex that was there and, and kind of fixed up the property and uh, and I built a sixplex apartment building, which is awesome. And uh, it's just a cool game, man. It, when I when I compare it to um, you know standard, everybody you, you put your money and you invest in stocks and bonds, and you know you get your four or five percent and you're happy about it. I just seen the the returns I can get in this real estate game, man, are just. Yeah. just w- way better so that kind of uh opened my eyes on that section too and um it's cool man i i, I really enjoy it it's kind of like it's kind of like trying to make a team right like or, or anything to do with hockey that's how i kind of relate it is like like you're in control of it you know and and yeah. where the other side of like investing and stuff it's like you're not really in control of it and yeah. that kind of threw me off so i kind of liked the, the control of real estate so that kind of got me got me into it a lot well, it's, it's, it's nice to have a passion outside of hockey for when, you know, you actually are done hockey to have something, not just, 
not just to fall back on financially, but just have a passion. And, and you mentioned, you know, thinking about coaching and stuff like what is that something that you want to like get into right away? And before you answer that, like where you're, you know, your, your, your son's the oldest is Hunter. Is that is his name? Hunter? Yeah. Yeah. He's uh, he's, he's seven. Yep. Yeah, that's my he oldest. Hockey? Is he playing hockey? Like what's, what's going on there? Yeah, so it's it's been tough, man. We uh, actually, when he started in Philly, he was five for his first official season. Yeah, uh, he had like a, a freak accident in our house, and this table fell on his nose, broke his nose. Uh, it's like nose shot up into his brain, like really, really serious, man. Had to have like immediate surgery and stuff. He's all, he's all good now. Um, so he missed that year, and then six, he finally got a chance to play in Montreal. Like was awesome. He loved it. Yeah, and then uh, this year, you know, they, they didn't get a chance to play last fall. They skated for like three weeks and then it got shut down so uh he, he loves it man he loves the game uh he wants to be a hockey player so it's uh it's pretty cool because when he was younger i literally you know th- where most guys shouldn't say most guys but like most hockey players start skating three and four like he wanted nothing to do with it yeah. like i couldn't bring him to the rink in philly for like i couldn't have bribed him to come to the rink with me and now uh he, he's pretty into it so it's it's kind of cool are they going to be going with you to sweden uh, i'm gonna go first for the first uh, month or so and just see if I can logistically make it happen for like four kids living in an apartment. Um, I, I got to go get a, get a lay of the land to see if we can do it. Cause our house is pretty crazy. So I, I, and again, they're like, this year has been cool because we lived in the same spot. They finally have some friends. Yeah. Uh, they have, they have, like for the first time in their life, my, my seven year old Hunter and Jordana just turned six. Uh, they actually have friends for the first time in their life. So wow. that's kind of, that's kind of, I really don't want to take them away from their routine and, yeah. and being in school and stuff like that. So if I got to go grind it up on myself, that's something I'll do for sure. Yeah. And you also have twins too, right? Yeah. I got twins that just turned two boy, girl, twins, Hayes and Jersey. So cool. it's a madhouse, man. It's crazy. Okay. So I love it though. I thrive in the, the, uh, the chaos, man. When I, when I come into the city, I'm at my parents right now. Um, like I just, it's wild, man. I, I like miss the chaos. I look around for like, where are my dogs? Where are my screaming babies and stuff? So it's, okay. it's crazy. That's hilarious. I want to get to a couple, uh, just actually, well, a couple comments that are coming in here. Um, there's a question from Stuart Smith. He's a friend of my dad's. He's a, this, he's a firefighter as well. Um, he says, hey, Dale, great conversation. Going back to your choice to not stay in the hat as a 16-year-old, do you think that ended up being a good decision? Maybe you weren't ready physically and mentally. Are we rushing kids to move away and trace the dream too early? What, what's your thoughts on that? That's a great question. Um, do I... Th- do I think it was a good decision? Um, I, I, again, I'm not the type of person that really likes to look back on things and be like, oh, I regret it. Like everything played out the way it was supposed to. And that's kind of the way life goes. I kind of live like that. Like everything has happened for a reason and it'll play out the way it played out. But that, that is something that still bothers me because, um, you know, I was so focused on, on wanting to be a hockey player at that age that it didn't take anybody to push me or, you know, my mom or dad to say like, you need to do this. Like I, I wanted it, believe me. Um, but it was just, I, I don't, I can't explain the feeling. It was like, you know, my parents were like, okay, you're, like we're leaving. This is it. And I was like, I, I just, I don't know in my heart, I just couldn't do it. Um, so, so I don't, I don't know how it would have went if I did stay though. Maybe, maybe I would have got over it, but, um, I, I don't know if your kid is like so laser focused and this is what he wants. Like you got to make some sacrifices. Um, but again, like what I want, my son's, you know, he's going to be eight in a couple months, like, you know, in, in half his life, he's moving away. Like I wouldn't want that for him. 
Yeah. Um, like he's a little kid. He's, he's not ready to be away from me. <laughs> so as a, as a dad, I would be like, no way. Like I would not send my kid away. Not a chance. Um, but I know like myself at that age, um, maybe I was crazy or different, but I, I knew I wanted it. So it's, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's a great question. Um, and I guess it, fuck, it all depends on, on, you know, what kind of personality your kid is. And, and if, if you personally think he can handle it. Yeah. For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I often think about that too. I, I did the same thing as a 16 year old in Swift. I, I signed and I, as soon as I signed, I, I pretty much was like, yeah, I'm not coming. Like I'm not staying. Like right. I, got, I got hit and I was like, I'm not staying. And then I ended up playing one game that year. I actually no showed them. They called me up to the Pacific Coliseum and, and I no showed them to the game when my, when I got called up. Cause I, I was like, I'm not playing. Like you know, I went pregame skate and I no showed the game at Swift. At Come a on. Year old. I swear to man, I had so many chances with the Broncos. Jesus. So I'm so lucky, man. I, I don't know what it was, but um, David Carlson also wants to know, he says, Dale, there are many instances when a coach or a mentor provides support and encouragement. Who is the one person besides yourself who believed in you and encouraged you? Um, well, for me, my mom and dad were always like my biggest, you know, supporting base. They, uh, th they've been there from day one. Um, and, and my brother too. Um, they were always like believing in me in times where sometimes I was doubting myself. And, uh, I just remember my dad and mom when I was a young age that they're always like, you know, you'll be able to do whatever you want in this game. Um, the only thing that's going to stop you is yourself. And it's just something I've always thought about, which is just a great quote. Um, cause man, he, this is uh, like hockey is such a cool game where like, I like I'm living proof, man. You don't have to be the most skilled. You don't have to be the fastest. You don't have to be the smartest. Like, you just got to work your ass off and you got to want it. And it's so cliche and like you hear it on everything, man. But that's really all it comes down to is like, I'm willing to work harder than the guy next to me. And I will continue to work harder at every single thing I do every single day. So I'm better than you and, and I'll find a way to beat you at it. And that's, man, that's really what the, the, that's, uh, that's what was installed in me from my mom and dad, man, just really blue collar people. Yeah. Uh, that, that just worked their ass off and, and instilled that, that in me from a young age. Yeah, and my, my friend Brody's watching. He says, you, this was before too, and you just said it again. He's like, you're a beast, Dale. That mindset is key, and it's true, right? And going back, just being laser-focused and believing in yourself because if you don't believe in yourself, nothing, it's not going to happen. Let's be honest, yeah. right? Like, yeah. it, people don't even, I don't think people even fully understand that. But here's one uh, from Jim McGee. You remember Jim McGee? from Jim McGee, no way. Uh, says, hey, Jimmy Dale. McGee. Hey Dale, nice to see you, buddy. Hope life is going great. Would love to catch up sometime. Private message me if you get time. All the oh, best. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll find. I'll get his number. I actually, I, I've had Luke Hunter on the show as well. Um, you know, I think he billeted Luke for for years, right? But Hunt's actually had a bad accident. I don't know if you knew that, man. Yeah, like, yeah. He's, I, he's, I, I, I doing better. Pretty good. Yeah, he's do, he's doing better now. But you know, um, yeah, yeah, Jim. So so maybe maybe you can catch up with Jim. What a what a great guy he is. Hello to oh, Jim. Absolutely. The chapels. The chapels of the yeah. Chinese food place. Yeah, that's right. It. That was yeah. great, man. Yeah, it's hilarious. I still love that. Yeah, me too, man. I always went and uh, I think I almost got kicked out once. Uh, <laughs> that's a funny story. Do you remember? I don't think you, I don't think you ever played with Mark Deloge, did you? Uh, yeah, I did. My first okay. year. My first year. Yep. Okay. So I think it was the year before that you came or whatever, but me, I was sitting with Shendo 
and uh, which we're not going to get into that story with Shendo. We're not friends anymore, but that's fine. I'll, okay. tell, you about, I'll tell you about that off the air. Yeah, ah, you know, it is what it is. He ended up, you know, dating my baby moms and stuff and, and all this stuff. But anyways, it doesn't matter. Um, we're, yeah. Ring, ring the alarm on that one. Yeah. Holy, <laughs> holy smokes. Yeah. Yikes. Was, uh, you know, I've, I've talked about it, you know, on, on podcasts, not, you know, people can find out who he is or not most people won't know who i'm talking about so i'm not like outing him but um <laughs> what it is so we were sitting there and i'll never forget like i drew like uh i was just sitting there and we had like pencils or something like to take notes and i drew like this this stick figure kind of guy i can't draw worth anything like i cannot draw i'm the yep. worst drawer yes. in the world. but man. i'm telling you right now this picture i drew looked like mark deloge like so much <laughs> and i started like laughing and i was like i looked at shendo and he, as i looked at him he's like that looks like deloge and then shendo took like red jello and made like red hair and red goatee and i like because he's redhead right and it looks yeah. so much this little drawing on this napkin i laugh so i felt so bad because it was in the middle of chapel but it was like one of those moments where like it wasn't meant to be anything but i'll never forget it for the rest of my life this little picture of mark deloge with a red goatee jello and jello hair but Jim oh was man just, oh. just a funny story man it's uh it's it's hilarious um Leo, give me 30 i just need a quick bathroom break i'm so yeah, hydrated yeah, yeah i'm gonna do uh i'll do a commercial anyways we'll be right back with dale weiss Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to Aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, Aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. All right, we're back with with uh, Dale Weiss. You know what's funny is, uh, so I'll tell you this story. So I was I'm playing like you know, I'm attempting to play hockey against senior men's out here in Ontario. It's actually pretty good hockey. Like I don't know if you remember a guy like Remy Ellie. You ever play against Remy Ellie at all? I, I remember so, the name. Yeah, yeah, he played for Buffalo and Dallas and stuff. Yeah. He was out skating, and there's uh, Samuel LaBerge, a couple other guys that played in the American League and um you know junior and stuff i was i was terrible man i skated for 10 years now i'm getting better because i'm rollerblading all the time and stuff but like a lot of these french guys you know you know like the swear words for french like colleagues yeah. or whatever oh yeah whenever they kept saying that i would always hear dale we so i'd be like dale we like on the <laughs> ice, instead of like saying like that like to them because i would hear it i just laugh so hard so they would say it to me and i'm like yeah dale we like you know like just because i hear him call e for some reason so i couldn't stop saying it i wanted to tell you that it's so funny um there's just a couple other things I wanted to talk to you about. Um, and now I'm, I'm totally drawing a blank. I was just thinking about them, but um, yeah, let me ask you about Montreal Canadians right now. Like, you know, and, and tell me too, like how good is Carey Price? Like how good is Carey Price? There you guys are. I mean, I know how good he is, but he is, is he, is he not so good? Like, is he not just ridiculous? Yeah. He's, he's ridiculous, man. He's ridiculous every day. Like, 
I mean, he's been the he's the best, most consistent goaltender of the last ten years. It's not even close. You, you can't compare him to anybody. Um, like I, I fight his battles all day long on Twitter with people because I just I can't I can't stand it. Where and even now, you know, up until yesterday, like they were shitting on him in the final, saying like, yeah. you know, maybe we should put Allen in. It's like, have you not watched the three series before? Yeah, like he's just incredible, man. And the best thing about him is. Like, he's the best teammate, man. You'll never see him, like, get scored on and show up as defenseman or stare at him or throw his hands up. He'll never make comments in the media about how he's carried the team, which he has for the last 10 years. The teams haven't been that great. He's yeah. carried them. And and he'll never make comments like other guys. Like, he's just he's just the ultimate guy, man. He's incredible. He's he's such a good teammate. Uh, man, I, I, I can't say enough good things about him. He's just insane. Yeah, and he's uh I'll never forget, man. Like we were playing against Tri City. Remember um uh Aaron Boo remember hey boogie 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 oh, boogie man, he was scary. Holy oh my god, yeah. I played with Aaron in the central league like a years later, but was he still crushing guys? Oh yeah, buddy. Yeah. He get this, man. We were on the same <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story. And you can watch it, it's on YouTube. The footage isn't great because it's a central league. So we're in uh Fort Worth, Texas. And you know me, I'm a mouthpiece. I'm sitting right next to the bench, like at the end of the bench, just giving it to the other team, all as I always did. And there yeah. was a there was a photographer in in between the benches, and he decided that he's going to get involved. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. he starts chirping me and and all this the stuff. Photo- what was he saying? The photographer, I forget what he was saying, but just chirping me and and like trying to be like he was on the team. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I kept like taking my my stick, and every time he would t- try to take a picture, I'd block his camera because I, like, <laughs> I was engaging with him. I was just ignoring, him, but I'd get in the way and whatever. And then the one time my stick accidentally like touched his camera like barely and he like freaked out and he like cocked back to hit me and before i even noticed that he did boogie comes in and boom it's just a photographer i'm not even kidding it was no it's, it's like yeah man i'll see if i could find the I, oh. probably, I could probably find the news story but he ended up getting suspended for two games um and but i'll never i'll never forget he was <laughs> such a beauty he's like man he's like that's what happens when you mess with my teammate he, he didn't even mean to he just like you know he just reacted like the the photographer ended up like getting suspended and and like wasn't allowed to you know do games from there anymore he shouldn't have been doing that but it, yeah. i'll never ever forget it i found i did found i found the story so i'm taking a, a screenshot of it and i'm gonna bring it up just to just to prove to people that this is a this is a true story all you have to do is google aaron Dugard <laughs> punches photographer and in the story it'll it'll tell you like you know why he did it and um you know chirping chirping Beautiful. but it it was uh you know one of those things you only see in the the central hockey league there it is <laughs> wow that's beautiful, man. He's a scary dude. But I'll, going back to the story I was telling you is we were playing against Tri-City, my 19-year-old year, your 18-year-old year in Swift. And I don't know if you remember this, but we had pregame skate and then, you know, they were on after us and we kind of were sitting there. I don't know if you were out there. I don't because I don't remember that clearly, but I remember them playing rebound and Kerry Price had his chest protector off and and he was shooting on the other goalie playing rebound and he was lighting Jet Picard up like another world-class goalie at the time. He bar down, bar down. Like, uh, like he was shooting better than all the players on the team. And I was just like, who the hell is this guy? And I mean, I played at Team BC and, and Top 40 and all that kind of stuff with him as a 15 yeah. year old. I know how good he was, but yeah. I couldn't believe, like, how good did, did he do a lot of that kind of stuff in practice? What he, what oh, he 100%. 100%. Man, he would start, he would, he, like, he's the, to me, is the best puck handler in the NHL. Like, he passes yeah. it better than D man. Like, it's incredible. <laughs> and he just, he works on it all the time. 
Like yeah. he works on it in practice. He shoots, he shoots pucks all the time. Like he's just, so, he's such a gifted, he's so gifted, man. He's so gifted and he's the hardest worker, man. And it's no surprise. He's so good. So before I let you go, favorite place you played to wrap it up, Montreal, you think? That's your... NHL? I, Are we you, talking NHL? NHL. NHL. Like, okay, well, yeah, NHL. Like, where's your... Where... Yeah, Montreal for sure. Montreal for sure. Um, just a combination of everything. I loved living there. Um, yeah. I had my most success there. I had my most fun there. Uh, that was the best, man. Don't get me wrong. I had a lot of fun in Vancouver. One, I, lo- I love the city, but <laughs> yeah, Van City living. Remember that? Oh, you guys weren't kidding, man! <laughs> Holy smokes, <laughs> it'll get you, man. Do you remember it'll... that party? Yeah, where the, the Swift Current locals came into the house, and all of a sudden, like, yeah, we we're you know, I had the army hat on because yeah. like, I won the army hat, and we we're yeah, trying to fight all the locals. and... <laughs> City living, bad city living. Shendo had a knife, I think, or something crazy. We're like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, relax, man. <laughs> relax. And the rest of the night was hilarious. The pizza pop, we're not going to get into that. That's mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. uh, that was a good night. Stories that, that saved from the team. <laughs> I will never, ever, ever forget, man. It was so fun, man. I You just you don't realize it. At least I didn't at the time. Like You don't, man. You like, don't. Like, uh, when I, I was going to answer your question, my, like, Favorite place of all of hockey, man, was Swift Current. Better yeah. than the NHL, but like you don't really everybody says it in junior, like, well, it's the best time. You're like, nah, no, it won't. Like, wait till I get pro when I start making money. Then you get American League, you're like, okay, you have a little bit of money, but it's not the same. Like, nobody hangs out. Yeah. And then you're like, well, if I get to the NHL, it'll be awesome. It's no, that's worse, man. It's not, it's yeah. not like junior's the best. It's do you ever you ever talk to Spin anymore, Spence? Yeah, oh yeah, we talk quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah. How's he? Yeah, make sure oh, if you talk to him, tell him I said hi, man. He's yeah. uh, you guys live together at, at Faye and Faye and Gary's house. So I mean you guys we, you guys we, were like inseparable because you guys came together from the hat, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I talked to him and him and uh Smitty quite a bit and Eakin too. you would have missed was Eeks there oh, for your oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I talked to I talked I talked to Eeks about a year ago, I think. He was fifteen. He got called up when we were with Brandon and stuff. He was there before I got traded as a sixteen year old, him and Dowling and um, you know, Eeks was a great kid. I think he started to wear Ugg boots because I had Ugg boots, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you remember that, but I remember when you wore Ugg boots and I thought it was ridiculous and I probably own about four pairs now. <laughs> I remember when you wore them and I, I wasn't sure at the time. I was like, I remember we'd laugh about it. And then yeah. I uh I, I love them and I live for them now. It's the only yeah. thing I wear in the winter so comfortable but yeah that's uh it's good man you still connect with like a lot of those guys have you talked to dino at all or any of the coaches yeah so it's crazy man i didn't talk to dino for a long time um not, not by any choice like i love dino um and and we just I, I didn't have social media for the longest time so then uh i ran into him in the bubble last year and then we got a chance to hang out and talk a ton man and reconnect it was just so cool um i know for me man he was he was one of the biggest I, I he's one of the biggest factors in, in my career man like he, he he really changed me like i yeah i worked my ass off from 17 18 but like he was the guy that took a chance to trade for me he played me uh he was hard on me but like he he did so much for me man 
I'm sure he, no, I know that he, you know, he really believed in you. There's no question about it. And for a good reason, but I, I'm sure that there's a lot that he, he probably, you know, uh, like lobbied for you a lot too with the, that's probably why he was like, Hey, I don't think you're coming back to junior. Cause he was probably going, Hey, like he's no good. Like he's too good for here. Like you guys need to take, I'm like probably trying to encourage them to get you to the next level. And, you know, you don't realize it and, and Dave Hunchak too, to say that, um, I, I know you quite a bit. I know you had him on the show and I listened to his interview, man. I, I might've been in the bubble last year when I listened to it. Yeah. And, uh, that was a great interview, man. He was a guy for me that I loved again. He, yeah. he dealt with all the billets and stuff. So my first couple of years, I dealt with him a ton and, uh, like he was awesome too, man. I remember him telling me like vividly in my mind at 18, he was like, you're one year away. One, that's all you need to do is play one good season for being a pro hockey player. And that was something that's always stuck with me to this day. Yeah. And, uh, and that really hit home. So he was, he was, he was a beauty too. Yeah, great guy. He's had his struggles and stuff, but me and him, I I talked to him I think last week, and, and we have some plans to maybe do some stuff together, which is cool. But yeah, another guy that you know, these guys, Dean and and Dave, they were, you know, hard on me. But I mean, I made it hard. I mean, I wasn't easy. Yeah. To <laughs> you weren't helping them. <laughs> you know, I wasn't helping things, but they gave me a lot of chances. And and uh, you know, but Dino actually, when he, same thing, when he traded me, man, like he drove me from Swift Current to Calgary. We drove. Yeah five hours me and him in the like truck. how many how many guys would have done that a junior man so, like so awkward and he did i didn't even know where i was getting traded until we got to the airport in calgary he's like we even stopped and had like like uh japanese food and medicine hat and he's telling me about his junior days and all this stuff and yeah it was really Such cool right and then all of a sudden we get there he's like by the way you've been traded to clone rockets now get the fuck out of my truck and i'm like whoa like you know what i mean he's like I'll see, you in ja- <laughs> see you in january good luck and i'm like okay thanks you know you know but it's, yeah uh, yeah, man, he, he like he's a guy, like just the impact I know that he had on me and so many guys. That is something I think about in the future. Like I, I, I want to get into coaching junior. Like I don't give a shit about coaching NHL guys or pro. Yeah. Like yeah. for me, it's junior guys. You can have such an impact on guys' lives. Yeah, and that's something that I would want to do. I'm with you too on that one with junior. I think you know, it just with some life experience, and I don't know right. if I want to be a head guy, but you know, being a, an assistant just to to share my experience and and also be able to pick guys up. Like I don't think that's done enough. Like no, you, you he, I hear you say like Dave, Dave saying like you're one year away, and that gave you that confidence. But imagine like you don't have to do it in front of all the guys, but yeah. imagine just spending a little bit more time with players and saying, hey, you know, like you know, believe in yourself, whatever you got this, like you can do it. Like, Hey, NHL teams, even if they're not, if the guy's playing well, it's like NHL teams are calling about you. Like yeah. why not get the guy fired up, oh, man? Like, could you imagine how far that would go? Like, right? Like you're, you're starving to hear that. And and when you just yeah. never get it, like how, how does a guy build confidence? If you don't have like the utmost confidence in yourself, like as a coach, man, I feel like, and I've never coached, so I shouldn't say this, but I feel like it would be so easy to motivate guys. Like, yeah, it's just, man, like just like, okay, you can yell at a guy. He makes a mistake, and, but it's just, I don't know. There's so many easy things that should happen. Yeah. Like I, I've had some terrible coaches in my career in I pro <laughs> and they just continue to get recycled and they're still getting NHL jobs. It blows my mind. Um, but like, there's no coaching. There's no coaching. I know what you're talking about. There's no coaching in the NHL. Like there's no coaching. You roll the lines. Like that's all you do. The players are great. Players win. Like do I, it, it, when media talks about how good coaching and how the difference is, it's like, yeah, they can make a difference to a certain extent, but like it's, it's coaching's really, it's really not that hard. And a yeah. lot of guys struggle at it. Yeah. So where would you like with your career and your resume, you'd think like if you're, you know, you wanted to turn that page when you're done, whenever it is you're done playing, like you could probably like, 
you know, probably get in there uh, as an assistant, like almost instantaneously, maybe, you know, like one year in the near ahead. Like, are you thinking like your goal eventually is to be a, like a head coach in the WHL or a coach in the WHL or what league? Like what, where's your focus when you think about where you'd like to coach? Yeah. Um, man, I'm, I don't know how long I'm going to play. Maybe another two, three years, like if I can and, and stay healthy and I still love it. Um, but other than that, man, I like, we have a Winnipeg junior team now, which is awesome. So I, That's I right. that would probably be my first, uh, my first call. But, um, yeah, for me, man, in the Western hockey league, I'd love to, as long as, um, you know, my family's down for it. Like, yeah, I, I would be okay starting as an assistant would be great. Like you're just buddies with guys, right? Like you're, yeah. you're the best guy. You don't ever have to deliver bad news. Like, <laughs> you know, like I, yeah. I just, I would love to, but then, um, for me, I would just love to work my way as, uh, I think I'd like to be like Dino man and, and be yeah. GM and head coach. Like you, you yeah. acquire the players, you get the coach, you do everything. So yeah, I, I think that would be awesome. You know what I think too, and I'm gonna let you go here in a couple of minutes. Hopefully, we can do this again, uh, Dale. Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, buddy. And I've enjoyed this so much. I'm just lost in the conversation. It's like you know, catching up with and like fuck, like it's like yesterday. That's unreal, man. I feel it's unreal with hockey players. Like, yeah, it, man. it's you, you haven't met, you haven't seen a guy in ten years, and it's like it's it's like we're back in Swifty, man, coming in yeah. for Breakfast Club, and you got the Uggs on. It's unreal. <laughs> i'm still doing that man i'm still making eggs like crazy it's not even funny man uh or uggs on uh, uggs on i thought you said eggs i used to make eggs every day but, yeah. <laughs> yeah. but um you know i'm thinking like you know for this the stuff that you've done never mind in hockey but the stuff that you're doing with like developing and trying to organize team and all of that like that's got to play a huge part into potentially bringing it together and utilizing what you're learning in the real world outside of hockey with your experience hockey to maybe be a GM coach. Like do not, you're trying to do all those things. Like, are you not really like necessary when you've got a development job, are you not the GM of the development job? <laughs> like really oh, for sure, for sure, man. And then, you know, even when it's finished, you have to manage the managers, which is crazy. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. uh, it's cool, man. You, you get a lot of, um, I, and I think I use the experience just as like, I'm not saying that, you know, once you're an assistant or you're a captain, like, you know, you're managing teammates, but like, you know, you, you kind of get a feel for the room, what the team needs yeah. and, and stuff like that. And I think um, it's it's the same whether, you know, you're in business or you're talking to your employees, or you're talking to your teammates, like it's really no different and just making making sure things run smooth. And uh, and the biggest thing like we've talked about, man, is just pumping up employees, make people feel good about themselves. Yeah. It, 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 you know, if you can be positive and and you know, make people want to do their job and, and, you know, to take some pride in it. Like, you know, people will, anybody will run through a wall for you if you treat them correctly and, and yeah. raise them and reward them. And like, it's, to me, it's the easiest thing of coaches and, and people just can't do it. Yeah. I don't, I don't know why, man. Like, I don't know if it's an ego thing or a, a way, but the culture for that to me, like, I'm not saying I have all the answers as a coach. I, I don't think I could coach a team right now. I think I could be an assistant coach, but that is, it's the little details that can make a huge difference about lifting a guy up and just doesn't have to be, like I said, in front of people, just pull a guy aside and, and let him know that he's valued, that, that he's doing a good job or that, you know, <laughs> critique him in a way, but at least give him like the confidence, like, Hey, this is not all for nothing. Like there's teams calling about you, whatever like that. I could just yeah. imagine if somebody would have done that to me, I'm not saying anything would have been different, but I could just in that moment, mm -hmm. it it would have made me want to go to practice and practice, stay out after yeah. practice and go to the gym and go. Hundred percent, yeah. man. Hundred percent. You don't, you can't say that it wouldn't have changed. You don't know that. Like if, if, you know, a coach would have brought you in, at, at, you know, once a week and be like, you know, Brady, how are you, man? Like I got some teams that are interested. Like there's pro interest, like yeah. you know, take it a little more serious. Like that, that would have changed you for sure. No, like, 
I think so. Well, yeah, man. I don't know if it would have changed the trajectory of things, but it definitely in that for that season or whatever. Like, there's, uh, you know, actually the one coach that did it now that I remember was Ryan Huska in Kelowna, like during that kind of stretch, right? I heard he's unreal. I heard yeah, he's unreal. he was a great guy, but still at the same time, like great coach, great guy. Yeah, he did that to me. But at the same time, like I feel like I don't know, man. Maybe there's too many guys to to deal with, and there's a lot of work. But I'm thinking, like, if I'm an assistant coach, like, it's not about the money. It's about you're gonna have to put in that extra time, and it's about not just showing up for practice and and running drills and and getting a, a game plan or a practice plan together. Like, there's more to it than that, and that's developing the relationships of your your players and staff and everything else. Like, that is what makes a great team. Like, you know, hundred percent. And and there's so many like little signs that you would be able to see in someone that's struggling mentally or, yeah. or off ice that, yeah. you know, someone who has never been through that wouldn't have the faintest clue what to look for. And to me, that's more important than teaching people hockey at that age. Yeah. Before I'm going to, this is the last question I have for you and I, I'll let you go. Make sure you tell your parents I said hi, but um, how many, like, did you see it a lot? Like in, in the uh, pro level, let's say NHL was there guys, a lot of guys that struggle with mental illness or substance use from your knowledge without naming any, of course, like, did you see it? Oh, tons, tons, man. Tons. Um, I, I couldn't believe when I first started pro, like my first pro year, like, you know, I'm a naive kid that played in swift current where, you know, you couldn't even go to a bar and, yeah. and you go to pro and, you know, sleeping pills are just handed out like no tomorrow um painkillers for whatever you need you just tell the doctor hey it's a little sore like you know you can milk surgery fucking painkillers for eight months man you can take them the whole season if you want like it was just an endless stream man wh wherever you go um and that didn't change when i went to the nhl like it almost got worse and it's more accessible and it's easier and as long as you know you're able to play every day and you can show up it doesn't matter you know, whatever you need, you, you, you can get it. And, uh, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. I think, you know, they've gone around some things like, you know, toward all a painkiller they yeah. used to take before games, which is incredible. You could take I, that. You could have a broken arm. You could play with toward all. Yeah. I, have, I just actually, I've had Kyle, Kyle Quincy's become a friend of mine. He did, they did that problem of pain documentary. Did you see that on TSM? Yeah, I, I did see that. I did see uh, that. So, so that was kind of today. I got to call him back too, but the same thing. Tell me about your experience with that, man. Yeah. So, I mean, like, it's incredible. Like, you know, you take it, you can literally play through anything. I know a couple of times in the playoffs where like, you, you know, you blocked a shot at, and you know, you have like a hairline, everybody's got a hairline fracture everywhere. So I'm not saying my, you know, something was broken, but like, he can barely walk. I'm walking in the rink. I remember a couple of times with my feet first playoff, like big run with Montreal. Like I could barely walk, couldn't even tie up my dress shoe. But I could take a tort all and get on the ice. I feel incredible. Like you don't even touch it. Like, you know, it's it's incredible. But uh, as for the turtle, like the league in the last couple of years, like they've done a better job about it where it, it's a and you know, different teams are a little different about it. Um, but it's a little harder to get now. Uh they don't use tort all as much, but you know, there's some other things, and then there's always different doctors and and yeah. It's it's pretty easy to get whatever you want, man. And and I think the culture is changing a little bit. These younger kids that are coming in are obviously not kind of from the old school style, so it's it's yeah. a little bit different. Um, but but there's still there's still plenty. Well, it seems like you uh, you you got out of it fairly good. Like you, you know, obviously I'm not gonna if you'd struggled or whatever, you don't have to tell me. But it seems like you were always kind of you were always kind of keep a level head. I know you mentioned time in Vancouver where maybe you were out on the town too much, but you're young and just experiencing things. But you were able to kind of 
manage all of that and stay focused? Like what, what was the key to that? Maybe like how come? Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I, I struggled a lot in Vancouver. Um, just from like kind of what we talked about where it was like, it was, it was hard for me, man. I was again, kind of like I had roommates in the American league and then in Vancouver, I was living by myself. Um, everybody had families. We didn't, there was an older team, so we didn't have a lot of, there was like no young guys until Zach Cassian got there. And then I, you know, I kind of had a running mate in Zach Cassian. So it was, it it was, I mean, we had fun, um, but it was, it was, it it was difficult, but, um, and then, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a long period of time. And, and, um, you know, then I, then I, it, it got better. And then, you know, mentally in Philly was tough, man. Like I said, the, it was the first big contract I had. Um, but, and then it was just, just kind of like going through the grind again, man. We're like, you signed me to a four-year deal. And then three games into the year, I get suspended for three games. Then I come back and I'm in and out of the lineup. Like you just signed me to a four-year deal. Like yeah, now you're scratching me. And then I, man, I got scratched so much the first three years there. Like I was probably scratched. Wow, the first year probably twenty games, maybe thirty-five. The second year, and then the third year probably twenty. Like, it was depressing, man. I hated going to the rink. I hated hockey. Um, thank God for my family and like where I lived in Philly was a great area. I did a lot of other things outside of the rink, but it was just it was miserable, man. It was I hated it. I, I it was like I struggled in Vancouver with with the role I was playing, but I didn't hate the game. When it was Philly, man, it was like. I, I was almost I was almost ready to quit. I hated it so much. Yeah, and that's when you were making your biggest amount of money, right? So that just goes to prove like what yeah. you said earlier. It's not it's not money. I mean, let's be honest, money can help in certain ways, but when you're in that situation with the pressure and you're trying to play and yeah. you, you've worked your whole life for this and like you said, you expect something or it's gonna be a certain way and you get this four year contract and then all of a sudden it, it's just so much more to life hockey everything than just your paycheck every two weeks it's yeah. like it doesn't matter 100 percent, man. doesn't make, matter what amount it is it doesn't matter yeah. you want to have that worth that value that purpose and when someone's like you're in and out of the lineup as a hockey player it's the hardest thing to get going like what i don't know what coaches expect when a guy's in and out then in and out then in and out like i never understood that it's like what are you trying to do like is it i i don't know just make up your mind like <laughs> in yeah like oh exactly exactly like okay now you're in for two games and and yeah it's such a such a stupid hockey mentality it's like okay team loses well who they're changing they're changing one guy on the fourth line they're not yeah. changing anybody else the guy first line maybe didn't score in 20 games they're not taking him out yeah and it's just such a it's such a bullshit way to do things so it's yeah. it was it was bad man but then i uh i got traded back to montreal and it was again some up and downs but man i just i just credit like my family for me like my mom and dad uh are always people that that uh that i can call and vent to and and you know talk about different things and my wife and my kids are uh are are just huge for me and then obviously now i got got into some other things so that kind of uh i kind of took my mind off of the stress of things and and it wasn't all about hockey and uh kind of changed my perspective so that that helped a lot too well that's great i by the way i spelled i just realized i spelled your name wrong i put the i before the e i don't know how i did that in the picture you should have corrected me but i'll I'll do that so no, <laughs> no one will ever see it after but that's the least of our concerns right now but listen man i you know let's do this again i know you're you're super busy but uh i could i could literally sit and chat with you probably for like the next three hours oh, and, easily uh, easily man you know i, I I, I absolutely love this. It was a ton of fun and I appreciate your time, man. And I'm super proud of you. And it's been fun to be able to follow your career, man. And, and just see, you know, someone and I played with a few guys that made it and you're one of them. And it's always, you know, it's like one of those things, like, you know, it's, uh, it's, 
been cool to watch and not going to lie. It was it's hard. It was hard for a long time when, when I wasn't playing and it's like, you know, there's wasn't you per se, but it was, you know, all, you know, there was a time when Milan Kittner got called up to the Edmonton Oilers. I don't know if you remember him, <laughs> the Rockets with me and he was like a fourth line guy and he got called up to the Edmonton Oilers. He was from Czech. Great guy. Kitsy was a great guy. I love Kitsy, yeah. but I'll never forget, man. I was struggling. I was in addiction. Hockey Night in Canada, cameras, yeah. and Kittner coming into the rink. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, wow. This is, you know, it's. It, it, it eats you alive, man. It, it's, it's, when I was in the league, man, it would eat me alive. I, I used to be a big fan of the game. I had to stop watching because that kept happening. <laughs> so yeah. I, I, I had to stop watching, man, because stuff like that would eat me alive, too. Yeah, that was that was probably the hardest one was Kitsy. When I saw you and Smitty make it after, like I told you, coming back to Swift and seeing how you guys were and, and the way that you guys played, not just offensively, but in your own end and how mm -hmm. tough you guys were on face-offs, like not just the centerman, but like just the winger holding the, everything. I was like, wow, this is, you know, you guys were ready for the pro game. So I wasn't surprised at that, but the Milan Kittner thing, <laughs> anymore. but that, that almost pushed me off the edge, man, where it was like, wow, I should just end my life because this is super depressing, but yeah. you know, kudos to you, man, for carving it out 10 years. And I wish you all the best. We're, we'll stay in touch, but um, I'm going to be following you in, in, as you go over to Sweden. And I hope that it, you know, works out for you and the family, but I know family is your first priority as it should be. And, um, thank your wife too for letting me bore you for an hour and a half. I know you guys got four kids and that can't be easy. So I, I appreciate it, man. I know uh me and you kind of hit it off right away in Swifty, buddy. So we we uh you got a you got a special spot in my heart, man. I uh I it was difficult for me to see you struggle like that, man, but I'm glad you're on the right path right now. I'm happy to uh to jump on with you, buddy. This was great. We could literally chat for three, four hours <laughs> about some of the inside jokes. So uh you know. I, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of uh what you're Thanks. doing and, and so many people that you're helping man and your voice for so many guys that uh you know in our culture probably won't speak up and say stuff so it's uh it's very admirable man in any way i can help out uh i know we talked about the rollerblade and stuff if i could, yeah i would love to so yeah buddy happy, happy to help any way i can looking forward to it and i hope that it works out that you're back it'll be sometime probably end of june july of next year like a year from now so hopefully you're you know in in the Manitoba, like that area, and you can come yep. down and just even for an hour or two, it'd be it'd be awesome just to see you again, man, and, and get you out. So, Absolutely. but anyways, man, listen, I appreciate it. Keep up the good work, all the best, and uh, yeah, man, thank you again. I appreciate it, and yeah, seventeen months clean on July the eighth. So uh, awesome, man! I'm proud of you. All right, buddy. Okay, Weasel, we'll talk to you soon, buddy. All right, later, buddy. See ya. All right, guys, that's Dale Weiss. Uh, what a great interview. That was fun. That was actually so much fun. Uh, I love doing these podcasts, but being able to connect with an old teammate, there's so many stories that, you know, people listening are be like, man, I kind of want to know what that is, but some things have to be left in the dressing room. There's some fun times with Zach Smith and, and Dale Weiss and Mike Wilson and Spencer McAvoy, Kyle Bordis, Travis Yonkman, the list goes on. So many great teammates out there in Swift. Shout out to Dean Chanel's and Dave Hunchak, the coaches there. They gave me more than nine lives. To everybody in Swift current, uh, the billets, the fans. I know I took a lot of heat there. I know there's quite a few people from Swift that are watching this. And I took a lot of heat there and for good reason. But at the end of the day, you know, I, I would go out on the ice and I, I worked my ass off trying to be the best Bronco that I could be, the best teammate. I was just struggling with a lot of mental illness and off ice issues that people didn't understand because I didn't allow them to understand. And I mean, my family didn't even really know what was going on with me and just trying to drown out those demons. And it obviously 
ate away at me uh, to the point where shortly thereafter, I was no longer playing hockey, but I'm super grateful to be where I'm at today. Before I go, I want to say thank you to the Miner family, Tom and Michelle, for coming up today, last night, um, spending some time with myself and my buddy Paul Rosen. Beautiful picture of us there out on the wharf here in Gravenhurst. I absolutely love you guys, and I'm here for you guys any thing you need any time you need i know rosie echoes that as well he's here he's uh, on the couch we're gonna w- give me a thumbs up we're gonna be watching uh we've got a netflix series going on we're gonna hop in and finish it but to the miners absolutely can't wait to get down to dunville shout out to harper their little grandson who's waiting for me i talked to him on the phone last night video chat i'm gonna go rollerblading with him um and daniel's little guy jack as well as he grows and uh, i'm sure going to be there for him as well and i'm looking forward to that and yeah i just always here for you guys i appreciate you guys once again this episode is in memory of jonathan adams july 9th will mark six years that the world lost this young man mental illness is a real thing addiction they're real things they (laughs) it's not like i say it's not about ending the stigma it's about normalizing these issues because We all know somebody or we ourselves go through struggles of mental illness or addiction or both at some time in our life or another. And I would encourage all of you guys to, if you are struggling, to talk about it. It doesn't mean you have to go do a live video or get on a podcast and talk about it, but to share what's really going on with you with somebody that you trust. You'll be surprised how it makes you feel. And, you know, trying to fight these battles on my own was impossible it was a death sentence it was seriously a death sentence until i was real like able willing and ready to face it and not face it on my own and say okay this is what happened this is what i've done these are the choices i've made all of it everything that's happened in my life and kind of just lay it out there and then try to figure out okay well why why were you confused young boy why did you go down this dark path why were you misguided like there's there's reasons for it And then going back to childhood of being sexually abused and saying, hey, you know what? It wasn't my fault. I am not to blame. I am worth it. I am, you know, worthy of love. Things can be okay. You know, I can't erase what happened to me, but I can live with it because I'm being honest. And I'm saying, hey, if I'm not okay, I'm not okay. And I'll tell somebody and we'll talk it out and we'll get through. And I know that nothing is bad enough to go back to drugs because that is only gonna make things worse. Don't give up on yourself, you guys. If you're struggling, please don't give up on yourself ever. There is always hope if you want to. Thank you for watching live. To all of you guys coming in on the comments, Michelle's watching, great podcast. So great to see you and happy reconnecting with an old friend. Hello to Michelle and Tom, still here in Gravenhurst at the Renaissance Hotel. The only way I was ever going to get into a room there was because of you guys. So thank you. Sean Horse while watching. Thanks, Sean. Cody Johnson, great interview. My man, David Carlson. What's up, buddy? My old personal coach and friend, Danny Cassidy, watching in the Philippines. Top shelf, boys. Thanks, Danny. Thank you for being there for me and showing me how to do the superstar move, skate to stick, and teaching me how to do a wrist shot back when I was a young boy because you know those are the things I remembered, and you were who I looked up to, man. You were 
you know, I wanted to be you and I know you've had your struggles and we kind of have uh, similar stories and stuff, but I'm proud of you, man. And I love you. And uh, one day when you come back from the Philippines, we got to get together. Anyways, that's it. Show went a lot longer than I kind of anticipated, but I'm so grateful for, for Dale Weiss's time. And uh, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed it. If you do like the podcast, tell your friends about it, share it. If you're listening to the audio, please rate and review it. If you're watching on Facebook, please go over to the YouTube channel, subscribe to the hockey to helm back YouTube channel. If you're on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, smash that like button. That's how the algorithm works. You know, I, so I've been told, I don't really know how it works. That's why I can't, don't know how to grow the channel. I don't really have time to sit there and figure it out. So I've been told this is what you do. If you can, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. If you want to check out some puck support stuff, pucksupport.com promo code, save 20% is going to get you 20% off. If you have any issues with it, send me a message. Follow me on Instagram at mental health hockey. More than anything, follow at puck support. Look for updates on the rollerblade and things rolling out here in the fall for the official launch of puck support. Once again, thank you guys. That's it. Hello to all my family back home, especially my kids, Brooklyn and Brody. I love you. I miss you. I'll never give up. I'm here. Whenever and if you're ready, the door is wide open. Thank you to Dale Weiss. That's it, guys. Remember, stay grateful, be kind, and have a great day if you so choose. Hockey to Hell and Back is brought to you by Performance Wellness. The collaboration between First Star Therapy and MindFrame brings a flexible, holistic program to athletes. The goal is to empower and enhance every athlete's well-being on and off the field of play through focus on intentful movement and mindful practices. You can contact them at consult at firststartherapy.com and team at mindframe.info. Plus, you can check them out on the web at firststartherapy.com and follow First Star on Instagram at firststar.therapy and at mindframe on Twitter plus mindframefit on Instagram. I want the real stuff, everybody listen up, cause I'll only say it once, I'm gonna show you all the path, if you want it bad, I'm gonna show you every side, yeah, how you can get it back, yeah, cause I ain't never done, I'll be number one.